Hello, friends. Uh, there's no new episode this week because of sickness. I'm sick. We were going to interview Michelle about where we are as an organization. She's sick. Uh, so we're just going to give everybody a little bit of time to feel better. In the meantime, this episode is a rebroadcast um, of an old episode we did with Ray from our outreach department about winter needs. Um, this episode is brought to you by our friends at La Mega KC, Kansas City Spanish radio station, and of course by our friends at One Kansas City Radio. Listen at 100.1 in the KC area or listen online at onekcradio.org. Today on the show, we're talking with our own outreach team's Ray Lindsay about preparing your pets for the winter, teaching you a new way to communicate with your cat and more here on Pet Resource Radio. From the Pet Resource Center of Kansas City, I'm Sierra Howe. And I'm Dave Shapiro, and welcome indeed to the show, the program, the episode, the lifestyle that is Pet, Pet Resource Radio. Radio. We're coming to you from the fishbowl at the Pet Resource Center of Kansas City. We are a nonprofit that keeps pets and people together through supportive services for pet owners in need. How are you, Dave? I'm doing okay. We did that one in sync. That worked. I know. We had to redo it low key. Yep. <laughs> um, what do we got going on right now? Um, this weekend, we have our second drive through clinic. That's right. When this episode comes out, we will be mere days away from our second drive through clinic. You know, it used to be um, by this time uh, in a year, we would normally have done, you know, maybe a dozen offsite clinics at various yeah. uh, locations around the city and around in, in other cities as well, Independence and, and Lee's Summit and, and over in Kansas City, Kansas. We haven't been able to do that this year, and it's yeah. been a real bummer, and we've been pretty sad about it because that's, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pets that we are not able to see that may not get their vaccinations because we go out places and do it affordably. Now these drive-through clinics are things that are, are we're aiming to kind of replace uh, in this new normal. Um, the offsite clinics with these mobile vaccination drive-through clinics. Um, this will be November 7th from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. It's right around 2136 Jefferson Street in KCMO. The reason there's no exact address is because it's under the I-35 bridge uh, between 21st and Jefferson Street. Um, you can get all your pets' shots updated. You can get puppies and kittens, get their uh, boosters, some individual services like microchips and KCMO city licenses. All that sort of stuff we'll have on hand. Um, and I think it's going to be a good time. And a lot of folks who um, used to go to our community clinics went regularly so make sure you come out and see us. Be it's going to be very similar. You just really don't have to get out of your car. And if you haven't tried one before or went to a community clinic, we really recommend you coming to the drive through clinic. It's an awesome experience. And honestly, it's very fast and the prices are very affordable. Yep. And that's the whole point. You know, um, we want you to come out and get your pets taken care of affordably so that you're not breaking the bank. How about we move on to some pet news? Let's do it. First off this episode, let's talk about something that ties in with our discussion last episode about breed-specific or breed-discriminatory legislation. A shelter with three locations in New York took part in a study to see what would happen if they didn't label the kennels with the breed of dog. Does the label make much of a difference? It absolutely does. The study was done over 32 months, so 16 before removing the labels and 16 after. 
And what they found was that the median length of a dog stay decreased by, drum roll, 11.3 days, which is 37.3% once the labels were removed. Right? Isn't that just, that's like a decrease of one third of the amount of time. And that's on average, which means there were ones that like probably went super, super fast. Um, I think that it's very encouraging. You know, we were talking with Lee Greenwood from best friends, animal society last episode about uh, breed discriminatory legislation and the way that it reinforces negative stereotypes about certain breeds, pit bulls in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, the nice thing about this is that you have dogs that would probably have been classified as pit bulls. Um, even though pit bull isn't a breed, it is just a set of characteristics. And so yep. you have dogs that would have been labeled that way and probably wouldn't have been adopted nearly as quickly um, because they were pit bulls. Um, and there they go out the door to some new forever family. I think that's pretty fantastic. Yeah. And I think they said in the article for every one dog that leaves two more come in. So it speeds up the whole process and there are, are going to be less pets in shelters yep. if they get adopted faster. Yep. And I think personally, personally of my dog, maybe, and she, I believe when I adopted her, it said like shepherd mix on her little card. But if I didn't get a DNA test done, I, you know, wouldn't know. And it doesn't really matter what breed they are. Like she's adorable. She's crazy. She's wild. She's cute, you know? Yeah. And so I think taking away those breed labels on the kennels will really help people to be more open-minded when it comes to adopting a pet. Yep. So next up, let's talk about the slow blink in cats. This is something that's near and dear to my heart. If you don't know the slow blink, you should. Um, It's generally a series of half blinks that's followed by an extended narrowing or closing of the eyes. Uh, If you don't know what it looks like, I can't show you. I showed Sierra where we (laughs) sat down. Um, but you can go online and have a look-see. Um, we don't know exactly why cats do this, but they do. One theory is that because unbroken staring is seen as threatening behavior, that the slow blink may actually indicate that they don't consider you a threat or simply that they're not a threat to you. Um, whatever the case, British researchers have discovered the slow blink does in fact communicate a general good demeanor and approachability to cats, and they're more likely to come up to you even if they don't know you. Um, this is something... And the thing that was, you know, they did a thing where they, um, you obviously want to start with the owner and kind of Mm -hmm. see what the behavior is there. But then they moved on and had the researchers do the slow blink uh, to the cats and got a favorable result. Yep. Um, And that's something that I can speak to personally, because what we're doing right now is, um, you know, in the mornings, I'll go and see what, what cute cat friends we have. um, And I'll go over and I'll do the, I'll do the slow blink to them. And, um, I get a response from them sometimes that they seem freaked out. Sometimes it calms them down a little bit and they realize that somebody is there that's saying, you know, I'm not a threat. I'm nice. I'm kind. Um, and you know, my cats, well, my one eyed cat Tanara doesn't really do it, but squeaks (laughs) does squeaks will do it. If she's wanting attention or she's wanting love, she'll just sit there and just stare at me and just give me the slow blink. I'm going to have to try it with Marley. He does it all the time. So I know he's happy and he's content, but like I never thought about doing it back to him 
when but when you think of like how you interact with your dogs in that same relationship usually it's like baby talk or something along those lines right right which i do every day and so i'm like i have to be fair now i gotta talk to marley with my eyes now that you showed me how to do it yeah changing lives Mm -hmm. all right why don't we head over to the interview and talk to ray Cool weather is here and cold weather is on its way, which means that our outreach team is already gathering the supplies we need every year around this time, but also that they'll be out and about in the community helping folks get their pets ready for winter. We've brought on our community resource coordinator, Ray Lindsay, to talk to us about how to help your pet this winter and how to help us help those in the community who need it most. Ray, welcome to Pet Resource Radio. Thank you. I'm excited to be here with you guys. Now let's talk about dogs being outside in the winter. While we prefer all pets to be indoor pets, sometimes that's just not possible. And the law only requires that there be adequate shelter and water. Uh, What are some of the reasons that people might not be able to bring their dogs inside? Um, We've heard a lot of different things that um, we're, we uh, work with people when they have a dog that would prefer to be outside. There's those breeds of dogs that quite frankly, enjoy the cold weather. Um, So those husky breeds, the German shepherd breeds, the longer haired breed dogs, they actually would rather be outside than inside. Um, Some people have allergies. They want to have a dog in their home, but sometimes can't necessarily put up with the dander and the hair of the pet. So allergies is a big one. Um, Some renters aren't able to have dogs inside after uh, after a certain size or weight, so they are able to keep outdoor dogs but not able to bring them in. Um, Behavior, which we work with people on that, but sometimes the behavior of the pet is better suited for outside. But we've we've heard a lot of different things. And what are some ways that we can help people overcome those obstacles? Or what are those some of the ways that you've been able to help people overcome those in the past? Yeah, so behavior, we do training here for puppies and adult dogs. So if, whether you have a puppy or um, an older dog, we can help with the behavior portion of it with two, ver- two three very good trainers that work with us at a very um, affordable price for dog training. Um, we supply shelter for pets, whether it's for outdoor dogs or indoor dogs. We can do um, dog houses, straw, runs, kennels, wire kennels for the inside. Um, stimulating toys help a lot. So interactive games that dogs can play with help get some of that energy out. Sure. Yeah. And like like you mentioned, food and water is a must when you have your pet outside Food has to be um, available to the pet, water that's not frozen. So once we get into those colder temperature days, the water has to not be frozen and then shelter. It has to have shelter that um, sustain against the weather elements. Okay. You know, if a dog is going to be outside for any reason, what are some necessities? Um, Shelter is the big one. It's it's number one what we look for when we see an outdoor dog, if it has adequate shelter. Igloos work really well. It doesn't necessarily have to be a dog igloo. It can be, um, you know, a standard wooden dog house. That's fine too. But it has to be able to find a w- place to go to c- take cover when it's raining or snowing, when it's wet out. So shelter is number one. Food and water um, is a must. That's a city ordinance. You have to have food, water, and shelter. The extra things that we provide are straw to keep warmth um, inside that shelter and uh, on the base of the outside of the shelter, we put straw. We have um, 
coats that we can provide for large dogs. We have coats and sweaters for any size dog, quite frankly. And um, I always like to throw in a simulating toy because they're outside and just make it bored. And so a chew toy or a bone or something to keep them entertained since they're sitting outside. Right. Because they still need that stimulation. For sure. And to get some energy out. Sometimes it's better to get your dog to get energy out so that when you get home after maybe him or her, her being outside all day, they're not going to be overly excited to see you because they've had some stimulation throughout the day. Right. And sometimes that stimulation can even help with the idea of, of bringing dogs inside when they've when they've been outside, if you, if, if, if it's a dog that's over energetic, um, sometimes that kind of stimulation, just giving them something to, to mess with continually helps them get that out so they can be inside. Yeah, for sure. It doesn't necessarily have to be when they're outside only those bones and Kongs filled with peanut butter or, or frozen food that helps a lot with pets while they're inside, especially if they're not used to being inside or you do half and half, bring them in, give them something to play with so that they're not for lack of better words, bothering you or in your way or jumping all over you. I mean, we can help with the training portion of it, but um, there's also part that that we can provide to you that will help your pet stay simulated and behave properly, whether it's inside or outside. And I do want to jump back real quick um, to talking about dog houses because it's important. And it's one of those things that I always forget to mention to people that a dog house is adequately sized. Um, that if it's too small, obviously your dog's not comfortable in there. If it's too big, then it doesn't really hold the warmth that it should. So it's not doing what it should do. So too small, the dog needs to be able to go in, turn around, lay down. If it's not able to walk in, turn around, lay down, it's just uncomfortable. It's just being in too tight of quarters, too big. Like you mentioned that airflow in there is just going to be so much so that the straw in the house is almost not doing what it needs to do to keep that body warmth. So um, they, they do sell different kind of igloos, different sizes of igloos. You can buy different sizes of the wood cedar dog houses. We provide some here. So um, it, that is an important factor when picking out a dog house. And it is definitely one of the reasons that we end up with shortages of certain certain sizes of dog houses. Yeah, we get um, extra larges are probably our most requested. We see a lot of the larger breed dogs outside. So it does make sense that the larger breed dogs are the ones, like I mentioned earlier, the ones that like to be outside, um, who may be scratching at your back door when it's snowing or when it's cold out to get out. So those are the ones that we see come and go quicker, the extra large size. Yeah. Um, Can you think of a client whose pet we were able to bring indoors during the winter? Yeah, we've talked about Robin and Beast and Riff Raff often, but um, what stands out to me with him is he's an uh, older gentleman that um, Beast and Riff Raff have knocked over before, and he they're more energetic than sometimes he can handle. So he does keep them outside, and they have adequate shelter housing. Um, they actually have nice runs now. But in the winter, we, we provided some wire kennels for him. Um, he has like an unfinished basement. We put the wire kennels down in the basement, put some dog beds down, and he's able to get them downstairs into the wire kennels and not, you know, potentially hurting himself by falling over because they're, I mean, 
80 pound pit bulls that are energetic and happy and playing and with is, each other. And this is a, a man who probably suffered a stroke. So right. Exactly. Is, is so he's unstable yeah. and he lives alone. So we want to make sure that he's safe. The dogs are safe. Everybody's safe. So the basement kennel situation is really ideal. Mm -hmm. He's able to get them in one at a time down to the basement, put them in a kennel on the days where it's wet out, cold out, snowy out. He knows we've been working with him long enough that he knows when um, it's best for those dogs to come in and he does every, every winter he makes sure and we go by and check and every winter he, those dogs are inside in their kennel on the days that they need to be. Good. 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 Um, what are some general necessities that folks might need for their pets over the winter? Straw is a big request right now. We're getting a lot of requests for straw as it gets wet and cold and um, damp out straw helps keep a pet warm with their body, their, their body warmth along with the straw contains the warmth in the in the igloo or the dog house we have jackets here that get donated all the time um sweaters that kind of thing obviously we talked about dog houses but shelter is a big one it has to be shelter again that um protects against the weather elements so it has to be something that a dog can go into to keep dry when it's raining or snowing so it cannot be something like a wire kennel or a crate, those things aren't considered adequate shelter. It has to be something that is solid and doesn't, if it's raining and you're sitting outside, the dog can get in and stay dry. Right. So adequate shelter. And then we also have heated water bowls. As the, te the temperature drops, the heated water bowls are big because um, the water will freeze once it gets to a certain temperature outside and the water in the bowl will freeze. So we have heated water bowls that you're able to safely plug in and um, provide for that pet to make sure that the water never freezes while you're at work or, you know, not there to be, make sure it's not frozen. So what are some things that people might not necessarily think are important during the winter or things that are important year round uh, that they might not necessarily think of? So flea and tick prevention is big um, year round. Heartworm prevention is big year round. We um, have those random days in the middle of the winter that have we have a spike in um, temperatures and on those days mosquitoes come back out and could potentially bite your pet and transmit heartworm disease so if your pet isn't on a heartworm prevention all year round they could contract the virus um, you can also get fleas all year round ticks in this community are um, always anywhere with trees or brush you're gonna your pet could get a, a tick so if your pet's going to be outside at any point in the year, which most are at some point, mm -hmm. <laughs> they, uh, they should be on some sort of flea tick and heartworm prevention along with shelter, uh, adequate shelter all year round. Doesn't matter if it's winter or summer, the pet needs adequate shelter and obviously food and water all year round if they're going to be outside. So what should somebody do if they find a pet outside that does not have those things? Um, you can call us. We are here to advocate for the pet. And if you don't feel comfortable talking to the owner of that pet yourself, completely understand we can help out. You can remain anonymous. You don't. We can just stop by and try to help with resources and education. Um, we always like to start there um, by having a conversation with the client and how proper housing or proper care of a pet outdoors is what it is and how we can help. Um, if it's the middle of the night, if it's the weekend and you can't get a hold of us, there are other organizations that do outreach on weekends and overnight there's Facebook groups, pet outreach Facebook groups. Um, you can post in 
And then lastly, there is animal control that you can reach out to if a pet is being neglected. So if somebody needs help this winter, how can they reach out to us? You can call us here. Our call center can dispatch our outreach team to provide resources to you, whether it's um, you, we set up an appointment for you to come pick up because of COVID. We're not allowing people into the building, but we can always make an appointment for you to come in and um, pick up a resource that you may need. You can email us. We have an outreach email that is outreach at prckc.org. You can find that on our website as well. And our website has contact information for our staff members, but by calling emailing, stopping by. If you have to, we would prefer you have an appointment though, so that we can have everything ready for you. Sure. Absolutely. And then on the flip side, what are some ways that people can help us out this winter? Yeah, for sure. We have an Amazon wish list, and, um, we are accepting all the things that I've mentioned thus far, flea and tick prevention, heartworm prevention, igloos, straw. Actually, with straw, we are, have a community partner down the street, Soil Services, on truce that will um, accept donations in our behalf. So you would donate to, soil, to, to PRCKC um, at Soil Services so that we have a credit on their account to purchase straw all throughout the winter. Um, you can do that by calling in or stopping by soil services on truce for, and that's our straw fund. Um, you can do that anytime you can come by and donate here, whether it's on, on with check cash, uh, Q give, you can get it online and donate, um, and volunteering. You can always contact us. We, that's a huge one with, with outreach. We love taking people out in the field and there's not very many of us. And sometimes in the winter we get more requests than we can handle. So if I'm able to go out with a volunteer and my colleagues are able to go out with a volunteer, we can be in three different places um, at once because we're able to tag team with the volunteer. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, Ray Lindsay, thank you so much for being on Pet Resource Radio Absolutely. today. It was fun. National Animal Shelter and Rescue Appreciation Week is this month, so let's talk about one of our favorite rescues handpicked by our guest Ray this week. The Humane Society of Greater Kansas City has been around since 1912. We love them so much because we have a lot of common goals, and honestly, they're just so easy and great to work with. Not only do they have adorable animals up for adoption, but they also provide preventive care and spay and neuter services. And they just launched a new Ray of Hope outreach program to provide help for pets in Kansas City, Kansas, which is desperately needed. It's a program that we like because it's similar to our shelter intervention program. It provides services, education, and resources for pet owners in need. Uh, we love seeing other groups in the community helping people where they find them. And we've worked with the Humane Society on a lot of different projects since they're such a bedrock of resources on the Kansas side, an area that we aren't always able to service in the way we'd like. We could do a little more back before COVID-19 hit, and we could do off-site vaccination clinics there. And we're trying to get back into doing some drive-through clinics so that we can again start reaching out. But for now, we're just not there, unfortunately. But the Humane Society of Greater Kansas City is, so if you're looking for a new furry friend or need help, just reach out to them at hsgkc.org. And now we 
say goodbye to you, friends. Our thanks again to Ray Lindsay from our outreach team for being on the show today. And if you want to help Ray, the rest of the outreach team, and all of PRCKC, you can donate at prckc.org slash donate. And through the end of the year, all donations are being matched dollar for dollar up to $100,000. In a year, donation has twice as much impact. It is the best time to help us out. If you're listening to us on your favorite podcasting app, rate us and leave us a review because that always helps people find us and follow us. We are at PRR Podcast on all the things, if all the things means Facebook and Twitter. <laughs> so until next time, friends, tail wags and purrs to you and yours. And as the German philosopher Mark Buber said, an animal's eyes have the power to speak a great language. Take care. Pet Resource Radio is a production of the Pet Resource Center, Kansas City, co-hosted and co-produced by Sierra Howe and myself, David Shapiro, uh, recorded, edited, and mixed by David Shapiro, and music by Hazel Raw Musical Industries, a.k.a. me. More info at soundcloud.com slash Musical Industries. 